Hello and welcome. This is the Bariatric Eating Real Talk podcast, and I'm Susie Shaw. If you're new to our podcast, bariatric eating is more than just talk. We support nearly a million post-ops in our Facebook-based support groups, which you can join if you like after you listen. I'll tell you where to find us at the end of the episode. We've created the most successful plan for bariatric regain on the planet. There's not a doctor's program or hospital plan or anyone who has addressed regain and the regain crisis with anywhere near our success rate. Thousands of people have used our Inspired Diet, along with our help and our support, to take their lives back, even when it seemed like things were hopeless. Those who help you in our groups are post-ops, and we have had regain, so we know how it feels. But we've also lost that regain, and we can help you find your way back into those smaller clothes that are in your closet. We have specific tools for you. We'll help you set goals, create food lists. We even have meals for you to eat and our own products. So we go beyond just ideas and help you in real time. Our support is made up of people who are just like me. And collectively, we've spent the past 20 years helping post-ops lose regain and learn to change their habits so the weight stays off for good. And I'm pretty sure we can help you too. So let's get started. Today we're going to be talking about food facts and calories and macros. Um, one of the biggest things that we see over and over again in our Facebook groups is that the majority of people are really lost when it comes to food, specifically where weight comes from, why we lose weight. So it's time to face some facts and learn a little bit along the way. If you've had surgery and you aren't where where you thought you would be by now because you've been stalled for three months or six months or whatever, or because you've had a surprising regain, there's no reason to feel ashamed or feel like a failure. But you do have to take a good bit of responsibility and recognize that it was your choices that led you where you are. Especially if about a month ago you were proclaiming in your support groups and on your personal feeds or wherever that you were back on track forever and you were going to get it right this time but you haven't quite had that amount of motivation that you were expecting or the results that you'd hoped for. Sadly, the hardest part of this weight loss surgery life is the moment when we realize that we're the ones that made us obese to the point where surgery was the option for us. It wasn't a bad relationship. It wasn't that a medical condition forced us to eat so much every day. If you had regain, it wasn't that your dog died and you fell off the track. It wasn't that your doctor's plans for you was making your body go into starvation mode so you had to eat more or you were going to waste away. It wasn't that you had to use steroids for a long time or even use steroids for a short time. It was just that you ate too much food. And I know that's a really, really hard one to swallow. No pun intended. Because it's my truth too. It's the truth of every person who's had weight loss surgery. It's the truth of every so-called slow loser And the truth of anyone who couldn't get to goal, anyone who regained after getting to goal, or regained after not even getting to goal in the first place. And another fact that's hard to face, because unfortunately there's another one, now that you've had the surgery, regain, or a stall, you still have to work hard to lose the weight. And working hard is learning what good, healthy food actually is. It's a ton of learning, beyond learning what you can tolerate, when to eat, all of that other stuff that we have to learn. You have to understand how food works. Actual nutrition is what I'm talking about. And I'm going to repeat myself here, um, just because it's an important fact that I don't want to, to anyone to, to miss, but all of the above that I've talked about before, if you've had regain, if you lost well for seven months or two months or whatever, but you haven't lost in the past four months, it applies to you. If you didn't get to goal after your surgery, but you got real close, like 20 pounds away, it applies to you. If you've been stalled for longer than three weeks, it applies to you. 
If you've had revision surgery because of a medical issue like reflux and you've been stalled for four months and losing and gaining the same pound and you're wondering why you weren't floating to goal like you did the first time, it applies to you. So here's how you lose surgery after initial weight loss surgery, after a revision, after a redo, after you get back on track, and yes, even with the Inspire diet. I'll even drop it like a spoiler for those who um, are a little bit anxious about what it might be. But it's that you eat less food. And yes, I'm going to clarify even further than that, liquid calories are still considered food. So if you're si sipping on a green smoothie or sweet tea, if you're sipping on full calorie, full sugar sodas, coffee with heavy whipping cream, that bulletproof coffee a lot of people think that they need, even a protein shake or some juice from your juicer, it's food. And food has calories. Even healthy food like chicken has calories. The same for cheese and bacon and cashews. All are things that we eat because they have protein in them, but the fact is that they are calories that carry protein to us. And I'm honestly and fully guilty of this mindset and, and of doing these things and thinking these things. I once said out loud multiple times for years, I don't know how I gained this weight back. And it was 150 pounds. Like That doesn't just happen overnight. But I, I said those things while I was talking to my doctor about a hole that was in my stomach because of a medical issue that I had. And I had a 150-pound regan, and I was sitting there not sure where it came from. How do you gain weight when you throw everything up, when you're sick? You eat too many calories. How did I lose that 150 pounds plus another 50? I ate less food. That's it. There was no magic bullet. There was nothing. There was no easy button. Sure, I was exercising a lot. But at the end of the day, I ate fewer calories than my body needed, and I burned, and it, my body burns the excess fat that was stored. And that translated into weight loss. Actual pounds gone. And yeah, I did have my stomach fixed with a revision. And yes, I found Inspire and I put it on, on subscription so I didn't have any excuses to fall off track. But ultimately, it was the fact that I made the choice to eat fewer calories every day. And I made that choice over and over and over again until the I saw the results that I wanted to see. And the same goes for when I thought I was a slow loser after surgery. I was eating too much food. I was, after my revision, I was eating only good choices. I was incredibly strict with my choices. I always measured my food. I always got, 1, 000, I always got my 10,000 steps. I always exercised. I took my vitamins every day faithfully. I met my protein goals and I drank a lot of water like a good post-op should. But my doctor was ultimately really disappointed that instead of the 20 pounds a month I was supposed to lose, I was losing 10 pounds a month. So you know what happened when I finally started looking at what I was eating? I cut out a cheese stick for my morning snack. And um, in the afternoons, I was having some yogurt, like uh, the triple zero stuff. So it was good yogurt, packed with protein. And I even put a sprinkle of nuts, which had protein, for crunch, right? Well, when I cut those things out of my diet, I lost way more weight than I did the month before. And I hit that weight loss goal that my doctor wanted for me. And I also, when I kept doing that, I also noticed I stopped stalling every few weeks. Things got smoother because I switched those snacks out, that cheese stick and the yogurt, for simple veggies with some salsa as a dip. So it was super, super low calorie, low fat. But my snacks went from about 150 calories to 200 calories to about 50 calories. 
maybe 70 if I got heavy-handed with the salsa. <laughs> but that adds up to a lot of calories not consumed over the course of a week. And do the math on that one. That's about 700 calories that I cut out of my diet every single week without trying, without making an effort, because I wasn't skipping a meal. I wasn't going hungry. I was hungry. I wasn't hungry after I ate those things. And it made a huge difference for my weight loss. Huge. Plus, the extra vegetables helped me feel better. My digestion improved. I didn't have gas anymore. And my constipation disappeared almost overnight. And was it easy to stop that? No. No, it wasn't. It was hard. Yogurt's delicious. Cheese is super yummy. I love them. But you know what I also learned? When I ate meals that were filling, those right foods that fill you up, instead of just a small amount of slider foods like cheese and yogurt, I actually stayed full long enough that I didn't need to snack in between my meals. There were days where I didn't need those snacks anymore. I actually went from six kind of small meals to three or four depending on my activity level and my actual hunger level. I also noticed over time that my hunger was better controlled. I wasn't getting ravenous at mealtimes. And I still had just as much energy. In fact, actually, it was a little bit better. I was able to increase the intensity that I was working out with every day because I was fueling my body differently. The right calories help us in more ways than one. So I want to give you some facts that I picked up when I got my um, certification for nutrition and weight loss and special diets. And um, I'm not trying to throw that around, but I, I, I just want you guys to know that I'm packing experience and knowledge here, not just talk. Um, but these things are going to help you understand why calories make a huge difference on our day. And it also explains why our successful regain weight loss program, the Inspire Diet, we talk about it all the time, but why it's set up the way it is and why we, we do not give numbers when we give out the information on how to follow it when you work the Inspire Diet. And if you think about what I'm about to say, it actually explains why the Inspire Diet helps more post-ops than any other program on earth and helps them keep it off forever. So here it is. You might want to grab a pen and paper. Um, or, or not. You might just want to listen to it again. I don't know. But we all know to track food, right? We're all told we have to keep track of it. Are you tracking your food? It's very, very popular. But we track it in terms of macros, protein, carbs, and fat. When we want to lose weight, that's kind of what we do. A lot of people come to us and ask us initially, hey, what, what am I supposed to track? I need to get back on track. What are my goals supposed to be? What are my macros supposed to be? But here's what a lot of people don't get about those numbers, each of those macros, the protein, the carbs, and the fat, are actually comprised of calories. And they break down in an interesting way. One gram of protein contains four calories. One gram of carbohydrates, and that does include sugar and fiber. They aren't separate. They are considered carbohydrates. One gram of carbohydrates has four calories. One gram of fat has nine calories. But... What do you, like in a real world application, how, when you get home with like a package of chicken, two small zucchinis, a can of tomatoes, how do you track that? Like you have to break it down and really know what you're doing, right? So it doesn't always work with home cooked foods. And that's where a lot of people start getting kind of hung up in the weeds of tracking. And that's why our Inspire diet is a little bit different. It requires zero counting. We took that out of there by compiling a way to eat that combines simple lean proteins and vegetables that keep you satisfied for hours because it pairs carbohydrates that you need, volume, protein, all of those things that help you feel fuller faster. We left out calorie-dense snacks or garnishes like those cheese crisps that a lot of people like to make and use as taco shells, because when you eat things with minimal fat, you can actually eat more food. And yes, while cheese has a small amount of protein, it's considered a fat, 
not a protein, because it has more fat than protein in most cases. And the fun fact here is that if you do this often enough, and by this, I mean eat meals with lean protein and some nice veggies, when you get, do get to goal, you'll know how to eat forever, and you'll keep the weight off. That's the real goal, isn't it? It's not just to lose the weight. We want to keep it off. And you won't need a maintenance plan because you will have taught yourself to manage your caloric intake without an app. And yes, you're going to be using measuring cups on a scale to portion the food while you learn this and even beyond. I still use them daily. But you don't have to actually calculate how many calories are in those cups. The measuring and weighing food is a smart choice, uh, is a smart thing to do to make sure that you aren't overeating from a volume perspective. It's really easy to overserve yourself food. Portioning by eyeball, it, it just doesn't work long term. You really, really have to kind of check yourself every now and then. But, you know, like I said, even the good food has calories. So we really, really want to keep those portions in check. I know hundreds of post-ops or more who've regained without bread and pasta. They regained without going off track technically. They regained because they ate too many calories. So I want to think about this more deeper in like a real-world setting. I want you to think about, I'm about to describe a meal, and I want you to think about how much it is, like try to visualize the food on the plate. All right, so imagine a plate. On it, you put three ounces of chicken breast. That's about half of a chicken breast. It's actually not a lot of weight. Chicken is very dense and kind of heavy. And then you put three cups of raw spinach. And that's actually a really big pile, but spinach chews up really, really easily, so it's actually not that much food. And then add two tablespoons, and that kind of tablespoon is the kind that you measure for, like, baking ingredients, not the kind that you eat with. But two tablespoons of, um, like, a low-calorie, like, the, the Bolt House ranch dressing. I love that one. But, um, and I'll just add two. Two tablespoons is way too much dressing for that amount, but that's the serving on the bottle, so just bear with me just for, you know, giggles here. Um, I'm also going to add that I know from experience that when I post that photo of that meal, because that's actually one of my go-to meals multiple times a week, many people consider that to be too much food just by eyesighting it. They tell me, um, they tell me that too. They, I always get, how can I eat that much? That would be six meals for me. So if you're one of those that is having a hard time wrapping your head around, you know, um, how people can eat large, huge portions of food, I want you to go back and listen to episode nine. But understand that um, three ounces of chicken and three cups of spinach actually isn't a lot of food. But that plate, that portion of chicken that I just talked about, the total for all of that breaks down pretty interesting. It's 159 calories. And that includes six grams of carbohydrates, two grams of fiber, 23 grams of protein, and four grams of fat. Now, the two grams of fiber is included in that six grams of carbs, but I really wanted to point that out because that's actually a lot of fiber to get. Um, that's a really good amount, and that's a really well-balanced meal. There's a little bit of fat there, a little bit of carbs there, and a lot of protein. Great balance, not a lot of calories. And here's the truth. Like I said, that's really not a lot of uh, food. A normal-sized person who's never had weight loss surgery would look at that and consider that a good-sized portion, not on the large size and not on the, the, the small side. It's filling food. And most of us who've had weight loss surgery, myself included, would probably struggle a bit to get all of that in our tiny stomachs. But that's the point. Eating food like this is a smart choice that will keep you full for three or four hours. And if you finish it, no big deal, right? The whole plate is well under 200 calories, and it won't touch your weight loss progress in a bad way if you do eat it all. But if you even eat half of it, no big deal. You ate great food that is well-balanced. 
but the whole point is that, you know, we want to eat meals that will keep us full for about two or three hours or longer because that means we eat less food throughout the course of a day. You may have just cut out a snack. So not only is your meal lowering calories, it has vegetables with fiber to help you do things like go to the bathroom more consistently, not have as much gas. It's got protein to keep you strong, to keep you full, to keep you satisfied, to keep your hair in your head. And you may actually be able to skip a meal which has um, a couple, you know, 100 calories or so. That's a really smart choice. And again, you don't have to eat it all. But if you do eat it all, it's not going to hurt you. There's no problem with that. A lot of post-ops get tied up into this mindset that they need to eat little bitty tiny portions for life. And while that's true for the first couple of years, things do change. 10, 15 years after your surgery, you will not be eating like you did right after surgery. And it's not because you stretched your pouch or your sleeve out. It's just because that's how the body works. Things kind of ch catch on and things change. So I want to compare that meal, the, the, the lean chicken, the, the good vegetables, a little bit of tiny fat, um, to something that we see a lot of times. Um, a lot of companies make them, but the one I'm specifically looking at because I needed numbers is the Oscar Mayer P3. It's a combination of nuts and cheese and meat. And it's popular because it's, I think that most of them are like under $4. If not more, you can get like packs of them at Costco for very, very cheap. Each one contains about 160 calories, depending on the variety that you get. They also have four grams of carbs, one gram of fiber, 13 grams of protein, and 10 grams of fat. Now, just to circle back to what I said earlier, it has 10 grams of fat. Fat has nine calories per gram. So that means 90 calories of this meal are from fat. That's a lot. There's only 160 calories in there. And I know from personal experience that the amount of food in, the P in a P3 or one of those little snack packs keeps me satisfied for about 45 minutes. And I never quite feel full with it. It's just one of those things that kind of takes the edge off the hunger, which isn't a bad thing. It's all about what you want to do right there. But my point in this, my point in all this is this. In our Facebook groups, the first thing people who are trying to get back on track is to ask what their macros should be set to. And that's a fantastic first step if you have the basic knowledge about how calories work, and what their makeup is, what's in those macros, and how to build a plate that balances out those consistently enough so that each meal of every day is also balanced. And really too many of us have tried and tried to lose weight by using an app alone and, quite, and can't quite nail success that way. Why is that? It's not because we're failures or not because we're not smart enough to use an app. It's because it's not just macros. It's the calories. Macros are a fantastic way to help you build a plate. But if you don't have an understanding of why cheese and nuts may be an issue and that why, why those choices might be causing you to lose slowly, you're going to get frustrated with that method really, really quick. And you'll be back to your starting point asking for help again. And I know that sucks to hear, but I've been there. And I see it daily in our Facebook groups. So here's, here's the real like, kind of big nugget here. Not only should we think about calories and eat meals more similar to the first example I explained a minute ago because that choice is lower in fat and has, um, is lower in fat but has similar calories, it's because choices like the first one are lower in calories, yes, and I know I keep saying that, but I'm really trying to hammer a point in there. Um, but they also have built-in vitamins those little building blocks to keep our cells healthy. When we focus on lean protein and veggies while keeping fat low, we can actually eat more food and still get lower calories in. Like think back to that first meal, three ounces of chicken, three cups of spinach, that's a lot of food. Think about the second choice. 
and how big it's not. And I'm being serious. If you've ever seen one of those, they're about the size of your hand. Like you could empty out all the meat. It's like maybe two or three tablespoons of meat and like a little bit of nuts and a couple of cheese. It would fit into the palm of your hand with ease. Maybe into the palm of, a, of a, like an eight-year-old's hands. Why? Because again, fat has nine calories for every gram. Protein has four grams. So higher fat choices, like things like cheese and nuts, they're always going to be less food because it's more calories. Think about that. I'm going to say it again. When food has higher amounts of fat, it's going to be less food because it has more calories. They're calorie dense. And one thing that's really, really common in the weight loss surgery community is that people get super dialed into low carb, um, that low carb facet of a bariatric diet, and totally forget that calories still count. And a lot of that, I don't want to say is our doctors and our nutritionists' fault, but that's kind of, we get taught to focus on carbs, to focus on sugar, to focus on protein, and we, we really just forget that food is more than just those nuts and bolts. Our bodies really do need carbs, but they don't need empty carbs from pasta and bread. And it, doesn't, it needs protein, but it doesn't need high-fat proteins from cheese and, and nuts and stuff like that. Our bodies need tomato carbs. Our bodies need carbs from squash and peas and carrots, things like that. That's what keeps our, our bodies strong while they eat carbs. Now, those choices that I mentioned a second ago, those also happen to be the same sorts of foods that leave, leaves us feeling physical hung, physically fuller longer and more mentally satisfied because they have texture. They crunch. They require chewing. They don't just squish and dissolve like meats and nuts do or cheese. And that's an important part of eating a ton of people miss. Mouthfeel is what it's called technically, but that sensation of having food in our mouth with different textures is just as important as what that food is. I mean, so many people talk in our Facebook groups and, and all over the place about craving crunch, or they'll say things like, I just want to chew. And while that could be code for chips, it's indicative really that there's an imbalance in your diet if you're craving textures. And we've touched on this in other episodes, but when we have cravings like that for textures, that's more of a mental thing than a physical need. No body needs to crunch food. Your fat brain tells you that you need to crunch. You, you make that up in your head. And it is true that we need to eat lower carbs, but when you look at the carbs in the first meal, there's six. Um, and there are only four in the low-carb meat and cheese snack, too. And that's not a giant difference. Those extra two carbs from having the plate with vegetables on it, it's not going to derail anyone's progress, even if you ate that same thing and had those extra two carbs every day all week. And that is, as long as the rest of the food that you ate that day and every other day had a similar makeup, that balance that we talked about. And at the risk of beating a dead horse, I'll repeat that the meat and cheese snack doesn't give you the same amount of fiber. There aren't as many vitamins in it either. But fiber is how we avoid constipation. It's how we avoid stinky gas. It's key. It's a huge part of our digestion process. And those things are really, really important to eat so that we, we digest properly and we don't have stinky gas and constipation. And yeah, like I said before, that meal of meat and cheese and nuts might stop your hunger. It might take the edge off. But that physical feeling of satisfaction is not going to last that long. It's just not going to. And the second part here, when we're thinking about eating lower carbs, deeply cutting carbs to the point where most post-ops think we need to be to see that weight loss, like that 15, 20 carb range, which I don't know where people get, but whatever. Um, it might help you lose weight initially. It's going to help you drop initially. But the thing is, it's not sustainable. It's not a sustainable way to live. 
you will absolutely fall face down into a bowl of chips or candy eventually because you're not taking care of your body the right way. You're not getting that balance. And we've all been there, if you've had weight loss surgery especially, where we've had one or two days or even a week of being on track and feeling really good and in control. But then the weekend happened, or we saw a commercial about food, or we found a cracker in the pantry. But we fall off hard because we over-restrict the things that don't really matter that much. And I'm not saying carbs don't matter, but you have to have that balance. You need some carbs. You need that mouthfeel. You need those textures. We've talked about this, this, that super low concept before in, in our episode on hunger. And I'm going to link at the end of the episode where to find that too. But um, it's really better just to eat a more balanced bariatric diet that's low in fat, low carb, because it's going to teach you how to eat in the long run so that you don't have to learn how to keep it off. You build up a balance that helps you stay focused, get healthy. You feel good because you're not starving. You're not hungry. You don't feel deprived. And you lose weight at the same time. I also want to remind you that if you're listening and you're new post-op, you do need to know that things will change. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but um, that first meal that I mentioned, the chicken and the spinach salad, that seems like a lot of food. It probably seems like a purple ton, and a lot of you are probably wondering what the heck I eat. But um, life after surgery is long. It, it really is. And it won't be long before that tiny, those tiny portions that you're struggling to eat right now won't keep you as full. Um, and here I'm talking about when you start counting time from surgery in decades not days. It's going to happen sooner than you know it. Time flies. It really does. So start eating a bite or two of veggies with your protein instead of a bite or two of cheese. Save the cheese as a garnish to enhance a meal, to add some flavor. It's not a side dish. It's really not even meant to be a snack. Not every day anyways. It will help you in the long run if you start swapping that cheese for something a little bit lower calories. Obsessively counting macros and and carbs and protein, it can actually make you crazy and, and um, it'll help derail you faster than it could help you get to goal. We see it a lot in our groups. We talk a lot about not overthinking foods and not overthinking meal times and not overthinking the diet. And for many who try to count calories and apps, that's exactly what it turns into. Because, I mean, little things like those little tiny bags of Oreo cookies that you see in, in the vending machines, those are like 100 calories. They can fit into a very low fat, very low... Um, calorie diet if you work the numbers the right way. But what does that actually do for you and your goals? Not much. One, it's over your carbs for sure. But that's not a healthy living food. That's junk food. It's dead food. There's nothing in there that any human needs to eat ever. And yeah, a sweet is nice every now and then. I have a huge sweet tooth, so I get it. But that pack of factory-made cookies that's been sitting in a vending machine for God knows how long, it's not going to taste as good as a batch of sugar-free cookies that you might bake once a month or so with your kids. We have a recipe on our website for a strawberry pie that is amazing. It's actually diet food, so it's low in calories. Um, It's just crazy when you work out the numbers on that one, but it's a really, really good choice. You have to treat your sweet tooth after surgery by planning on a smart dessert. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but something out of a vending machine isn't a good choice. It never is going to be. But when we eat because of a sweet tooth craving instead of hunger, it's a moment of enjoyment that satisfies kind of a mental need. It does nothing to help us nutritionally in the long run. So if you're stuck and not losing weight, but you're looking at the numbers all day and trying to figure out how to squeeze and little things like that, you've got to stop. You really do, because I bet you anything, you're also spending your nights dealing with cravings and a little bit of binge eating, and I know I'm calling out some specific behaviors that a lot of people don't like to be told about, 
But we have a ton of people who post these things in our group that they can stay on track until the evening hours. And, and when we ask them questions to go deeper into what they're eating every day, they talk about things like peanut butter crackers and chips and stuff like that. But they'll say, I only had a couple. I only had one. Those, you know, the way we eat factors in how our cravings work. And when we don't eat right, it all goes downhill from when we start having a hard time and dealing with those cravings. And, I, and I'm speaking this out of my own experience. I've been one of those people. I know for a fact that I wasn't eating right during, during the day, and I was eating way out of control in the evenings because I was just so hungry. And I was eating slider foods, foods that would, would stay down when I had my, um, my medical issues. We, a lot of people tend to focus on eating to the numbers, and they just forget that balanced diet because it's really not a natural way for most of us who have had weight loss surgery to think. We're, we're not wired to think that way, and that's okay. That's kind of part of who we are and, and what we need to overcome. And that's why bariatric eating and, and our support groups and our website and our company even exist because we've been there and we've had that struggle and we want to help show you there's a way to a more natural lifestyle that doesn't have you counting every single thing for the rest of your life. And here I'm not talking, when I say natural lifestyle, I'm not talking about like whole foods and all organic and all homemade and stuff like that. But eating the way we as humans are designed to eat, because we are designed to eat vegetables too, not just meat and cheese. <laughs> um, all of that, like everything else we've had to do with surgery, starts with making a choice to stop making it harder. Stop overthinking it. It doesn't need to be this hard. It's not supposed to be work. We're supposed to be able to learn how to make this into a lifestyle. And it's supposed to get easier, not harder. Um, but yeah, a lot of us get out of the gate and really want to nail it and, and do good. So we start counting calories and it, it, and instead of, you know, learning about nutrition, we're actually making our initial diets and our, our way of thinking about bariatric diets and bariatric eating into a really, really a lot of work. And it's hard to work in the real world world because it's not a way that's grounded in reality. It's a way to eat, to feel in to fill into some sort of checklist, but that checklist doesn't factor in real life events like a work seminar with lunch provided or a book club meeting or family vacation or the 4th of July. I mean, not the 4th of July this year. That was horrible because of this quarantine stuff, but you get it, right? It's, it's more than possible to enjoy social events, to get through those things and to survive them. Um, any event that you can dream up without overeating, without falling off track, without telling yourself one bite won't hurt, because gaining weight on vacation isn't mandatory. You shouldn't plan to go out to eat with your friends and then come back and know you're going to have a weight gain. You should understand how nutrition works so you can make good choices in the restaurants, in, outside of your home. And I know it's hard because after a lifetime of eating the wrong way, we really don't know how to eat. So that app is super, super tempting. But relying on an app to tell you if you're on track... Those apps don't factor in that we aren't machines, that one day we're going to have a social event that pops up. One day we have more natural hunger than others. Those apps don't teach us anything about nutrition. It's just a checklist. We've covered this in previous episodes, but the easiest way to fall off track is to make it too hard to stay on track. And if you're tracking using an app and not understanding how calories and macros work, do you even see the track in front of you? Do you know what you're doing? A lot of us don't, and that's why it's so easy to get off track without even realizing it. Because we think, okay, I need protein, I need low carbs, and we forget about, we forget about calories, we forget about portions, we forget about all those little things that make up the balanced diet. Eating simply isn't just like a catchphrase or something to do or means bland food. A simple way of eating means that you're going to stick with it longer. And the longer you stick with it, the better your results are. 
But more importantly, the simpler your meal plan is and, and how you eat and how you're, you know, you're keeping track of everything, it means that you're going to be learning more. And when we learn, we actually stay successful long term. And that means once we get to goal, we don't have a regain or a second regain. So if you do one thing after listening to this episode today, and again, I'm repeating myself, I know, but it really is that important. Um, you stop trying to meet a numbers goal. And yes, I do want you to think about calories and carbs and fat, but I want you to understand that when you look at nutrition and eating as a numbers game, most of us get really lost in the food and only think about the numbers. It's just not a sustainable way to eat, and it's not a lifestyle. And what I mean by that is that while it makes us feel good mentally because we're checking off boxes and we're hitting like specific numbers and it's black or white, you're either on track or you're not, it's just not going to help you if you don't learn how to eat properly. You can't hide in your kitchen or live by an app to tell you if your meal is a good choice or not. You have to learn how to tell you for yourself so that you can go to someone else's house for a party and have some dinner with them or have somebody over without tracking your food. Um, but it's also so that you can go to a restaurant and look at the menu and not need calories listed to make a choice that keeps you on track or needing that stupid card that, that lets you order like a toddler because you don't understand that not eating food on a plate isn't the worst thing in the world or what to even order on that place in the first place. Because it's not just about portions. Kids' portions on men, kids' meals in restaurants are not good nutrition choices. They're just not, not even for kids. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a lot to be said for tracking. It's really smart to keep track of what you eat. But don't confuse not tracking with not measuring your food. It's very possible to overeat chicken. It's very possible to gain weight when eating only chicken and vegetables. Why? Because even too many of the right calories is still too many calories. We have to understand how much we're eating, and not just in a volume way, but because food has calories. And it's not about coming down to obsessively tracking those numbers. Here I'm talking about portion sizes specifically, making sure that we're eating the correct amount of food. And this is exactly where we all went off before, um, before went off the rails before surgery. There's no obese dainty eaters. Nobody got to weight loss surgery by eating small portions of food. I know we all may have deluded ourselves into thinking that we didn't eat a lot, and we've mentioned that in a few episodes before. We may not have eaten a lot in one sitting, but we ate all day long. We may not have eaten a lot, but we drank a lot of calories that we didn't realize. But if we didn't do those things, if we weren't overeating and eating too many calories, we wouldn't have had a weight problem. And while a lot of us were able to eat smaller portions initially after our surgery, our lack of knowledge about those portions containing calories is why a lot of us regained weight or didn't get to go in the first place. We all overate or we wouldn't have needed weight loss surgery. And I'm sorry, that's a fact. I know it hurts. It hurts me a lot too. Portions on foods can be found on food packages and when you Google search for food calories. There's also always a suggested serving size amount there so you can kind of gauge. Now, for bariatric people, obviously portion size is a little bit different. For most of us, the, the range is about three to four ounces of lean protein and it varies because things like steak and pork chops have different texture than fish. So you might only be able to eat three ounces of steak but might need four ounces of salmon because salmon has a different texture. It's all going to vary, but you have to understand how that works for you. And that's where like the learning your, what you tolerate and all that fun stuff comes from too. It's, it's a lot to learn. I know. But for vegetables, it's about a half a cup to one cup of vegetables. And again, that depends on what kind of veggie because things like lettuce or spinach chew up to liquid and things like broccoli don't. So you can't eat as much broccoli as you can um, spinach. 
Um, it just goes up and down depending on how far you are, out you are. But like I said, that's general suggested starting point. Um, and it's not even the starting point for after surgery. It's a starting point for when you've been eating for about six or seven months. That's like lifestyle um, portion sizes. But circling back to my point, because I'm off on a tangent here, um, I'm talking more of a high-level kind of tracking to monitor your food choices while you measure out those portions still, um, instead of getting stuck in the weeds of macros and only counting things like carbs and making sure you're keeping sugars low without understanding how the actual calories in your day play into your success or your lack of success. You can easily spot bad trends and good ones without looking at the numbers, even the calories. So get a notebook, um, you know, one that you like to use, and write your food choices down in a list. Actually, we have a really fantastic food tracker on our website that will help you track everything from water, exercise, how you're feeling, even your mood, because that plays into it too. Um, all without calories, without macros, it'll keep you on track and it'll help you lose weight. At the end of the episode, I'll tell you where you can find that. Um, but trust me, this is a really valid way to track your food and it will show you in seconds how you went off track. If you actually, and honestly write down what you put into your mouth, and that means liquid and solid because all food has calories except for water. Um, when you look at it, as soon as you look at it, you'll be able to know, oh yeah, like I kind of went hard on the cheese this week or whatever, but only, it's only going to tell you that if you actually put down into the tracker what you put into your mouth honestly and um you know how we started our first three or four episodes talked about getting back on track with making like a little motivation map in those first few episodes episodes our food diary is kind of like that it's not something we write for other people we're not showing it off it's for us it's for us to know and to rely on so you're only hurting yourself if you're not honest about how much you're eating what you're eating and again by how much i mean portions not calories so why bother fudging the numbers don't lie in it be honest and please if you're in a support group or some sort of setting where you're asking someone for help because you're not making the progress you want to and they ask you what you're eating they aren't asking for numbers they're asking about your choices what's on your plates what's in your snacks what's in your cups Understand that no one can help you get through this and get back on track unless you tell them what you're actually eating. No one in our support group specifically would ask anybody what they're eating out of judgment or to shame them. We're not mocking you. We just want to help because you asked for help. So if you ask why you aren't losing but you think you're on track and someone responds with a question about what you're eating to tell them what you're eating, tell them. Just be honest. We can help you get through it. And I know a lot of times, sometimes we say these things and we already know the answer. We deep down in, in, in hand, most of us know that we're eating too much, that something isn't right with what we're eating. But getting it off our chest and just talking to somebody about our choices and maybe hearing out loud that two cheese sticks a day isn't really helping us get those last five pounds off. That's real support. Real support isn't saying you can do it, try harder, get more water in without giving you a real solution. And real support isn't hearing me too when you ask why you aren't losing as fast as some people. Real support is helping you understand what you can do to make a change towards what you want. And that's kind of been my whole purpose here. While I, it's kind of contradictory what I've said, calories count but don't count them, we have to understand that food has calories. You have to, you have to kind of start thinking about food just a little bit differently after surgery. Um, and I really want to remind you that our, the people in our Facebook groups, if you're not a member, come join us. We are fantastic, and we are going to help you 
make all of these changes that you need to make, we'll hold your hand the whole way. It's a long process and we really do want success for you. We want you to get to goal so badly and we even have a way to teach you how to eat for, for your whole life that doesn't revolve around protein shakes and supplements. Because when you follow our diet and our plan, that's what, that's what it does. It gets you out of that fad diet concept of counting macros and gets you back into the kitchen where you can learn how to build actual meals with real food that will work for you and your family for lifelong health and long-term weight management success. And I want you to think about my words today too. All of what I've said will serve you in a journey not only for actual weight loss on the Inspire Diet or on your own bariatric plan, but to keep the weight off for good. And like I said earlier, and I've said in most episodes, that's the real goal. It really doesn't matter how much you lost. It doesn't matter how fast you lost, lost it. It matters how long you keep it off. And calories will help you do that. So with that, I'll close here. And as always, I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to invite you to come join us on Facebook. Like I said, we're going to hold your hand and help you through this. We can show you the ropes. We've got nutritionists. We've got nurses. We've got experienced um, admins on our team who are knowledgeable in every kind of surgery. We know our stuff. We walk the walk, and we can help you. We're always available on our website, www.bariatriceating.com. Once you're there, do a keyword search for podcasts, and you can actually see all of our episodes listed with show notes for each one. In those show notes, I actually have links in there. For this episode, I'm going to have a link to our Facebook support groups, the Inspire Diet. I believe in it. It will really help you change your life. An article about an easy way to incorporate some fat in your meals, the right amount. <laughs> um, an article that describes hunger and portion sizes. We've talked about it too, and that's also, I think, episode 17. Um, an article that breaks down two different plates of food that were actually posted in our Facebook groups, and it does kind of a deep dive in the nutrition and the differences on each one. And then that tracker, the food tracker that I talked about, that's going to be linked there too. And just to remind you, we aren't just talk. Over the past 20 years, we've helped more post-ops thrive after surgery and keep the weight off, and we want to help you too. We really do. Come check out our website. There's a ton of info. There's recipes there. That strawberry pie recipe that I mentioned is there too. If you search for it, you'll find it. Um, but it's all there for you right now. And um, please, if you enjoyed today's episode, pass it on to someone you may think will also find it helpful. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks.